<laughs> okay, don't choke on your water. Jesus Christ. Ah, <laughs> <coughs> uh, died right before the right before the recording. That's fun. That should happen before the song starts. What song? <laughs> oh, the, before the intro. I, I, Just you dying, and then the I, I did. I have been recording, so we could do that. Yeah. We'll see if I decide if to. Funny. I'll I'll hear. If, I'll see how it actually sounds. Funny. But uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see if it makes for good audio. You guys may or may not hear that on the final recording. Hold on, I got tagged in something on Discord. Let me check it real quick. Elena says, I'm rewatching the Bachelor episode, and this girl insisted they did the gritty for like five minutes. Okay, let's close that out. I don't need to hear about that right now. <laughs> okay, we good? Okay. <clears throat> Countdown time. Oh, hold on. <sighs> okay, now, now it's countdown time. Three, two, oh, what? <laughs> Fuck. What are you doing, Jay? What are you doing over there? Well, that's good because the train's just passing, so. Okay. We're good. We're good. Are we good? The audio settings have been fixed. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Fourth and Infinity. It's another playoff recap this week. This week, we're recapping the divisional round and previewing the conference championship games before we get to the games which we only have four to recap this week i will throw it over to my co-host and introduce them first off as always bobby how you doing ah uh, not too bad i mean the, the football this week was entertaining enough i wouldn't say it was the best games in the world but it's playoff football mm-hmm. uh some teams that um are relevant to the pod won, so uh that's true that's always good yeah looking forward to these uh championship games yeah and uh one of the people here who has a team that won jay how you doing 10 and 0, baby! Oh, you meant, okay, I thought you were talking about the Niners. I was really confused. That's what, that's what, that's what I, I thought, too. Yeah. No, I'm 10 and 0. Oh, okay, I got you. So you're 10 and 0 in the picks. I got real confused there, but I got you now. Uh, no, Niners are 2 and 0 in the playoffs, the, the games that count. Yeah, that's what really counts. Uh, Arcadio, how are you doing over there? Uh, RIP and peace, my bracket. Yeah, we'll get to the brackets here, yeah, here mine, shortly. Mine, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of us are, have better brackets than the other two. We'll get to that very shortly. But uh, yeah, so we can get right into the games. Uh, so the first divisional round, which happened Saturday, late afternoon, early evening. And uh, it happened very locally to me. It was in Kansas City. The Chiefs hosted their first playoff game of the season in the divisional round. The four seed Jaguars came into town to Arrowhead. And uh, this game got thrown out of whack very quickly after the first couple drives because Mahomes' uh, ankle is kind of the big story of the entire league right now. The big question mark of this week heading into the conference championship just game. Just a bit. Yeah, it's it's just a bit of an overshadowing of the entire uh, series of events that's going to happen this weekend. But yeah, so uh, I think at the end of the first quarter, maybe early second quarter, Mahomes took a nasty hit from behind, uh, got his ankle and just his leg kind of at an awkward direction on a tackle that hit him from behind um, while he was throwing. And he gutted out the drive, but it was very obvious there that something was very wrong with his ankle. Um, and after the drive, he I, th- I think he was only in for maybe a handful more plays. He insisted on staying back in and not missing any time. They ended up, I think, getting a field goal from that drive. And then the next drive that happened uh, for the Chiefs, uh, the backup, Chad Henney, came in. And it was a they started at the two-yard line, so it was a 98-yard, ultimately, touchdown drive that he led. And then when... Uh, when the next drive came around for the Chiefs, Mahomes was back in, uh, or at least after halftime, Mahomes was back in, and then he started for the rest of the game. So 
he could play on that ankle and all things considered he performed pretty well as we'll get into the details of the game here shortly but yeah the uh what ended up being a high angle sprain for Mahomes was very concerning obviously all the Chiefs fans I know I told you guys had texted me saying season over RIP in peace all that all that stupid shit where I'm like just let it play out you have no idea what's going to happen maybe Chad Henney has some miracles in him maybe Mahomes comes back in we don't know the severity of any of this Yeah. yeah Yeah, University of Michigan legend. Michigan Michigan legend, Chad Henney. Chiefs legend, Chad yeah. Henney. He's had a couple great moments in playoff mm-hmm. games for the Chiefs now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of ways this game could go. And, you know, we didn't know how long Mahomes would potentially be out for if he would miss any time at all. Um, but, yeah, that was the fear in Kansas City. It was as soon as as soon as Mahomes took that hit, it was oh, season over. And I'm like, especially against this Jags team, which compared to the other uh, three teams left in the AFC was the weakest team. I think we can all agree. Um, I was like, we can at least get through this game. And Mahomes ended up coming back in for the second half, and he was clearly hobbled. He didn't have the mobility he usually had, and he couldn't plant his foot to throw as well as he normally could, missed some throws that he would normally easily make and stuff like that, which to be ex- for the situation is to be expected and it's understandable and all that. But he and the Chiefs offense did just enough to stave off the Jaguars. And I think, honestly, the real MVPs of this game, obviously Mahomes' performance on that ankle was gutsy. I think it's probably the best word you could use there. Um, getting through all that pain, but the Chiefs defense really showed up to play in this game. They've been the source, uh, basically a thorn in my side for Mahomes' entire tenure there. They've never exceeded expectations or anything like that as a defense, but in the playoffs, they have a couple players, Frank Clark in particular, who's I think number four all-time in playoff sacks now. Uh, They have players who show up on defense, and this was one of those games where that defense showed up against a Jags team that's been very hot for the last several weeks, including last week when they made that big comeback. That's a broad overview of what happened in the game. We can get into more specifics, and I'll open it up to you guys to talk about some stuff that you know from the game if you want. Yeah, I, I just uh, remember what Jay was saying from last week about how the Jaguars wouldn't be able to recover from their own miscues, and that's exactly what happened in this game. They mm-hmm. they had a, a few chances to win and to, uh, to at least take the lead, and uh, they made some very costly errors, especially the one uh, in the near the goal line. And yeah, they, you just you can't do that against the Kansas City Chiefs. Like not even with Patrick Mahomes at like eighty percent, it's it's still better than a hundred percent of most other teams in the NFL. So yeah. yeah, I was gonna bring up that that fumble, the Jamal Agnew, uh, Lions legend, uh, Jamal Agnew uh, fumble right down the, at the goal line. Like that that was massive because mm-hmm. if they scored that right there, I think it was more of a would have become more of a back and forth game. Instead, the Chiefs were kind of up by two scores for a majority of the game, um, at least by 10. And then the Jags kind of, they pulled it within it one score twice, I think. Uh, But that was a massive momentum shifter. Um, And just obviously everyone thought that, you know, Mahomes being out and having the ball in the two, that was going to be a pretty big drive. And then Henny leading that was, was massive. That, that 98 yard touchdown drive was unexpected and it just like i think that was kind of demoralizing seeing the backup come in and do that mm-hmm. and then mahomes obviously was able to return at halftime uh, after halftime so um yeah i think the more interesting conversation is probably looking forward with mahomes but he gutted it out and was somehow able to play even though he could barely get a handoff yeah for a lot of the time because um, he couldn't plant that foot and, mm-hmm. and push off uh so extending the ball and and driving that leg he really couldn't do so it was just all on his arm and he, he could do it i mean he has a great arm it's kind of like the big talent that he has other than mobility is just his he has one of the best arms in the game so he can overcome not being able to push off on that one foot mm-hmm. 
yeah, and you mentioned we both mentioned that Henny drive, uh, and tying into what Arcadio said about miscues, there was a, a a dropped interception by the Jags on that drive that Henny had that they definitely should have gotten. I don't think they would have taken it uh, for six, but they would have been able to at least get that turnover there and totally swing the momentum of the game. And that was one of their many miscues uh, was that dropped interception in the second quarter when Henny was in. And yeah, uh, late in the game, uh, their very last possession, they got a field goal to at least give themselves in a situation for an onside, but. Their last two drives before that, it was the fumble that we mentioned, and then Lawrence threw what was actually a pretty great interception, um, a one-handed catch by the Chiefs defender. I think it was uh, Jalen Watson for the Chiefs. He got that interception, mm-hmm. which pretty much iced the game. I mean, they, the Chiefs were up by 10 at that point with not much time left. Yeah, it basically did. Yeah. And Jags got the field goal after that, but that was, for all intents and purposes, their last two drives that they actually had a chance. That's how they went. So those mistakes cost the Jags in big moments. And the Chiefs, to their credit, like I said, they played well on defense. They forced those turnovers um, and stuff like that. So it was good performance on both sides of the ball by the Chiefs. And I think if we had a fully mobile Mahomes, this game wouldn't have been even even remotely this close because the Chiefs were looking unstoppable in those first couple drives. Yeah, I I think, like, overall, in terms of the game, it's like... there's tiers in the NFL of teams that are good and uh, the Jags and the Chiefs just play in two different tiers. Mm-hmm. And I think, was it better than the game that Nick and I saw in person, you know, back in November? Like, yeah, it was, but was it, was that really a function of like, I mean, even, even you can be better, but I don't think like you can be good enough to beat the Chiefs. Like, I think that there, there is just way too much to overcome there and, and sort of upsets only happen if you play perfectly and they play poorly. And, you know, maybe the injury luck rolls your way, but when you play even slightly off and you make even a few mistakes and, you know, Trevor Lawrence couldn't find rhythm and ETN really couldn't find rhythm, like, was, there was not, there was, like, really nothing doing in that game. And I think, like, the the biggest fallout, obviously, being Mahomes' injury, but it sounds like I think even a 70% or 60% Mahomes is, still makes for a dangerous offense when you have a lot of skill guys and a run game that in recent weeks with Pacheco, like, really showing up, like it's going to be hard to stop them no matter like how good Mahomes is provided he's still able to play and still able to throw the ball with some amount of accuracy. Yeah, if you want to compare it to the game you and I went to, this one was 27-20 versus 27-17, which was the one we saw. But this one had the playoffs added to it, the atmosphere, and obviously the injury added to the drama of this game. This one felt much closer, even though the Chiefs were able to keep it uh, out of reach for the majority of the game. Um, they never let him get too close. Um, yeah, so I mean, Mahomes didn't throw for four touchdowns, right? So, yeah, he didn't throw four touchdowns. He threw for one ninety-five and two touchdowns for yeah, basically. And Kelsey missing. had an insane game, yeah. as, as usual in the playoffs. Yeah, almost almost tied the record. He had fourteen catches. I think the record mm-hmm. that a couple people hold is fifteen. And as soon as they said that he only needed one more to get to it, I'm like, well, he's not getting it. <laughs> I just know he's not getting to this, yeah. and he didn't get another catch after that. But fourteen for ninety-eight yards, and uh, both of Mahomes' two touchdown passes. Or, or I think one of one of I think did Henny's go to Kelsey? I think he yeah, did. I thought so. Okay, I forgot that Henny threw one. I thought that was rushing. Oh, and Valdez Scantling got the go-ahead touchdown for the Chiefs, the one that really set right, them out yeah. in front, got them to twenty-seven. Um, so yeah, but Kelsey had two two touchdowns in a huge game. Um, Kadarius Tony had a couple couple good catches. The Chiefs wide receiving core, all in all, was kind of quiet through the game. It was the Kelsey show predominantly. 
and not getting crazy yards on any of those plays. Just get just getting forward, dinking and dunking down the field, considering the situation that Mahomes was in. Um, so it's understandable the way that they played that way. And uh, I think if we look ahead to the game that they're going to have, I think that's probably going to be a lot of what their strategy is. Long, meticulous drives where they're throwing short, running the ball effectively is kind of mm-hmm. probably going to be their key in this this upcoming game. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But you guys have any more to say about this one? I just want to say you're bringing up like the Jags were in a, a different tier. I think the Jags are a year or two away from maybe being up in that tier because of uh, Trevor Lawrence and how they're kind of building that team. And that division is like the rest of the division is on a downturn mm-hmm. right now. So the Titans, I don't think are going to be contenders much longer unless they can really turn around that, that roster with Derrick Henry. Um, Cause he is getting older. He's probably not going to be himself over the next couple of years. They don't really have a quarterback. Um, and then Indianapolis needs to find a quarterback and Houston's just bad right now. So yep. uh, Jacksonville could be contending in the playoffs for the next few years in a row. And we'll see how, how much better they get and if they really do become contenders or if they kind of just stay how they are. Yeah, yeah. This team also has Calvin Ridley. Yep. Yes. They get him next year. Yeah. I think, um, and, you know, there will be some other teams that probably hop in for a year or so here and there, but I think for the foreseeable future, this AFC final four we have is probably predominantly going to be that final four that we see for the next few years at the very least. Um, with the way that these teams are trending, I think even we'll talk about Buffalo uh, shortly, but even with Buffalo maybe having some issues, I think they're still the top team in the AFC East. And I think they will be for, for the foreseeable future. And I think these four teams led by these four quarterbacks, I think are going to be what the AFC predominantly has going forward for a while. Okay. So moving on to the second game on Saturday, this was Saturday night, NFC divisional game. The other one seed, the Eagles were hosting the Giants who beat the Vikings last week to get to this point. So this is the Eagles that we thought might be a little bit wounded. Hurts might still be hurt. And Hurts, I think they kept saying he admitted that he was still not 100% with a shoulder and everything. So that was some, that was a factor possibly going into this game. Um, and the Giants have been on a roll, obviously, with a ton of momentum from that game. And uh, yeah, this is where the good teams, like the last game we talked about, this is where the good teams get separated from the great ones was this game. The Giants never seemed like they even remotely had a chance in this game. The Eagles were were running all over for them, and the Giants just couldn't get anything done on offense when it counted. So, yeah, last week last week was a fun game, and it's cool to see the progress they made this season, considering where they where they were the Giants that is as a team for the several years before this. But yeah, this is where they get they got exposed as being a solid tier below the top teams in the NFC. I was gonna, just really quick. This really exposed how bad that Vikings defense is. I mean, we we knew that it was mm-hmm. bad watching their games, even though they were winning, but. I mean, the Giants were rolling. They could not really be stopped. Daniel Jones was was on fire, and it just it was a whole different game playing Phillies D. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, you just kind of see a, the massive difference there, uh, and the fact that New York does not have weapons like they have Saquon. We still so. found a way to to call the Vikings frauds, even though they're like nowhere in the picture right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Yep. <laughs> no, that was going to be my main takeaway from this game is that uh, the the Vikings like for the season they had. And to go out in the first round, and then the next team, the team that you like lost to, just got like basically the shit kicked out of them. Like that was not a competitive game from you know the end of the first quarter. Like from that point onwards, it was like almost a second screen type like morning morning game or you know a early window game in the regular season where you're like, ah, eh, if it comes back around on red zone, that would be cool, but not gonna watch the rest of this. Mm-hmm type game and um and you know they and that's the same giants team that the week prior like beat this vikings team that like you know went on a somewhat of a miraculous run to win all those one score games 
But I mean, I think the other part of it though is that like, as a person who's like, you know, looking to the, to the next week and, and just in general, trying to, trying to understand like what happened in this game. I think it is a lot more of a function of the Eagles are a good team playing a bad team than it is the Eagles are like this world beating team that can just like dominate anybody. Like, I think like it, it is possible for the Eagles to go out and dominate anyone, but I think the Giants are just kind of not there yet. And, and I would argue even two tiers below, like I wouldn't even put them in the same tier as the Jags. Like I think, Daniel Jones and, and their lack of weapons and their kind of nobodies on in their wide receiving core and their defense is okay. Like they have a few stars, but it's just, it's just fine. Like it's a very like team that overperformed because sometimes that happens in football and not a team that has the talent to get to a certain ceiling and they hit their ceiling. Like they, they like far exceeded their ceiling. And that kind of shows when you play a team that is like significantly better than you and, and you lose pretty horribly. Um, so yeah, I I personally I'm, I obviously there's there's a, a bias here that that I'm a 49ers fan, but personally I don't put as much stock in them like stomping out the Giants as them being in uh, like the uh, Eagles being like this epically good team. Rather like the matchup just allowed them to really cook, and that's kind of how they've played the, each other every every time they've played except for the one time where, or like except for the end of the season where there was like injuries and it was a weird game anyway. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to disagree with Jay a little bit here. I think both things can be true. I think the the Giants, as as I've said, they're like a scrappy, crappy team. Like they're yeah, they're not great on paper, but like they still like eke out games. And obviously, their talent level was kind of exposed against the Eagles here. But I also think that the Eagles are just like, especially with their run game, they're really strong. So good. Very yeah. very strong run game. And when if you can run the ball like this in January and in February. Man, like the the 49ers are going to have their hands full. I I I think the the Eagles are better than Jay's giving them credit for. Yeah, the, I mean their offensive line, I mean both offensive and defensive lines really, but like the, in that run game you really see it and Hurts obviously doesn't get a lot of pressure and when he does he can move, but I mean they just manhandled the Giants mm-hmm. completely um up front throughout the whole game um on both sides of the ball. Like they really didn't have a shot. And uh yeah, I I think you're like I get what you're saying that you're not saying oh they're it was a blowout so they're this you know the best team but they very well could be um I think you know them and the Niners are legitimately the best two teams this year in the NFC and so they you know I think the best two teams made it to this this round um but yeah I think you're cutting them just a bit short because even with Hertz playing Hertz played well and he like managed the game well and and that but he wasn't spectacular and they still just dominated he didn't have to be he really didn't have he to didn't be. He didn't have to be. Yeah, he really yeah. didn't. Like, yeah, he did I mean, everything think, he needed to do, basically. Yeah. Like, he, he, you know. Yeah, I, and and I think, like, my take is that, like, the score is, a is is like, a 38-7 game. And I think that that's that their dominance is, is warranted but is slightly inflated because their competition wasn't as strong as, you know, um, you know when, when we get to the other NFC game. And, like, you look at that score and you're like, man, that was a – like the Niners didn't show up well at all. Like that, that is a like take that you could make, but I think that the two teams are more evenly matched than their divisional round games appear. Um, we'll get more into the, the matchup itself, like later in the pod. Going off what we were talking about with that run game, 268 on the ground for the Eagles, six yards a carry, 
They got three of their touchdowns that way. Like, just total domination. Like you said, when the Eagles are running the ball, they had a handful of games in the regular season where they were running the ball like this or even better, where they ran for, like, 360-something in one game. Um, if they're like this, they're absolutely unstoppable. And the Giants have a decent defense, and the Niners are obviously a cut above them as far as their defense goes. So I think it'll be more difficult than what the Giants made it for the Eagles in this game. But I think if the Eagles can even come close to replicating what they did with the run game here, I think they have a very good chance against the Niners uh, this coming weekend. Well, most lopsided game of the weekend, and if we wanted to do a little postmortem for the Giants like we did for the Jags, um, shout out to Arcadio for being right. I think Dable is probably going to get coach of the year for for them. Um, and I, I think and you guys can say if you feel differently about this, I think the sign of a really well-coached team is making like, and it's not groundbreaking what I'm saying, but making the most out of your players. And I think for a situation like this, where you have a serious lack of like elite level talent on, in this case, their offense, they don't really have any wide receivers. They have a quarterback who's underachieved his entire career, actually getting the most out of that team when they really don't have the talent for it. And the same with like Mike McDaniel getting the best work that we've seen out of Tua for his entire career. Like I think coaching like that is sort of where I see the really good coaches, especially the young, the younger coaches and the newer coaches who have different approaches and different philosophies. I think that's what kind of sets them apart. And this is a good year for the Giants in that regard. And we'll see if they can build off of it. Agreed. Okay, so there we go. Eagles move on to the NFC Championship game, and that will do it for Saturday's games. We'll move on to Sunday's games. The first one was the other AFC uh, divisional game. This is a game that we didn't get to see play out to fruition in Week 17, and we got it again here in Buffalo. It was the Bengals going to Buffalo to play the Bills. So this game, I don't think went quite like anybody thought it would. I think I think I was the only one who had, or no, Jay, Jay picked the Bengals as well. Um, a lot of people seem to think the Bills were going to take this one. Maybe not easily, but I think people still thought the Bills were the better team. And I've just been seeing how both these teams were in the second half of the year. And the Bills had some dominant performances, and they sort of got back on track. But Bengals seem like the more consistent team with the more consistent elite-level plays, but particularly from their quarterback in Joe Burrow compared to what Josh Allen does. We saw a lot of the mistakes that he made against the Dolphins last week, and the Bills just couldn't get anything going. And the Bengals sort of dissected the Bills' defense in sort of a shocking manner, I think. Uh, this was never close. It ended up being 27-10 Bengals, but seeing the Bills' offense in particular just not being able to really do anything, get going at any real point in the game was, I think, the most shocking thing here. It felt like they didn't even put up a fight. Yeah, I mean, this game went how the last game that didn't finish, how that started, where the Bengals oh, yeah. just drove right down the field. Right away, two straight drives that were just backbreaking, I think, to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Buffalo was sputtering early and Cincinnati just... Like those two quick touchdowns just, I I think, put the like it set the momentum of the game um, and set the tone. And Buffalo was constantly trying to come from behind and they just couldn't get it going. Yeah. Um, Also, just kind of shocking how poorly Buffalo seemed to react to the snow, even though they play in Buffalo and Cincinnati, (laughs) who I mean, granted, like, yeah, they can get it. But Buffalo gets way more snow and they played way better. (laughs) Like, didn't they didn't seem to be in be uh, affected really at all. Um, and Burrow just looks so confident out there. He's just in command, in control of that team, and control the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, had that sweet uh, uh, video that they put out on on Twitter or whatever of him pregame doing like the no look pass uh, thing. Like he's just kind of, I, I think his confidence and his swagger just kind of flows throughout that team. And uh, yeah, like I thought Buffalo was going to win this game. I thought that jo- they were going to put it together just because Josh Allen is so good in that team and Buffalo has been so dominant and hasn't made it to the Super Bowl over the last couple of years and maybe could have, but yeah, they, they didn't do 
really anything to put up a fight in this, and that's that was pretty shocking. I was just gonna say, is is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the NFL right now? He's top two. He's damn close. I think the top two are indisputable. I think, right I now. think he is. I think so too. I think he has now surpassed Josh Allen. Yeah, right like, now. nothing seems to phase him. He's like no. probably the most accurate passer. I would say. Out of any mm-hmm. of the quarterbacks, yeah, well, he's like the, he's like the making. current all-time. Uh, it's only been three years, but I think he's the all-time completion percentage leader right now for the league. Depending on when yeah, they start tracking like, that, I think is what I saw. This this team mm-hmm. this team's scary, man. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Those first couple games of the year when we were saying like this offense is not creative, you know, they're just and and all that stuff, and they were struggling. They really turned it around mm-hmm. and. Like I'm, I'm impressed by the coaching staff and what they were able to do. Like I, I gave them kind of a lot of shit early on. So yeah, um, give them some credit. Um, and then Burrow is just he's yeah. I definitely think it's it's him and it's Mahomes, and that's that's the top two. And Josh Allen needs to work on his turnovers, otherwise he's not going to be up in that tier. So, um, yeah, impressive, really, really impressive. Yeah. This seemed like a year when we all like we all predicted in our preview show that this is the year Buffalo finally took that next step forward uh, to at least make a Super Bowl, and we all thought they would win it. And when it actually got to uh, the nitty gritty, when it got to the playoffs, they underperformed in their first game, and they just totally underperformed in this one. It was a very disappointing end to their campaign because last year they lost in the divisional round, but they lost in the craziest game of all time, basically when they played perfectly on offense. So it was like, yeah, this team still has all the tools. And I mean, most of those tools came back. They made a couple, um, a couple acquisitions and uh, during the season. So it seemed like they were on board to get, to get to that point. And they just sputtered, especially like down the stretch, the second half of the year. I know I keep harping on it, but they looked less impressive than they did in those first seven, eight games. And it just kind of ended up going all the way through the playoffs for them. And we'll see. Uh, there seems to be some issues with team chemistry with a couple of their star players, as we've been hearing about the last couple of days with Stefan Diggs in particular. Um, we'll see how much of this team stays together in the offseason. They have Von Miller. I don't know if he'll be back. I don't know what kind of contract he signed for one and also don't know how healthy he'll be. Um, so a lot of the big pieces on this team. Josh is going to be there, obviously, but I think the rest of this team is in limbo. And if Diggs is gone, if they end up getting rid of him for whatever reason, there aren't that many great uh, weapons behind him, really. Not guys that I can consider to be like a top tier weapon that you would want to put with a top quarterback on a top team. I think it's interesting how quickly the window opened and closed for the Bills. Oh, yeah. I, like, you know, I, you know, if it, infamously or maybe uh, like if you recall back to episode zero or you know when we were making our pre preseason predictions, like um, we all picked the Bills to to win the Super Bowl, and uh, and at that moment it was like. Who's who's gonna stop this like this machine of a team with um, incredible coaching and and this like potent offense and this powerful defense and and there's all these things that kind of were leading their way but then as the season progressed like cracks just started to appear and if there's one thing that football coaches do it's they expose weaknesses um, and they will they will just single out a weakness and hammer it and over and over and over again until it proves itself either to not be a weakness or they win. And so, um, you know, I think it's between that and like this seemingly like hard to describe, but, uh, you know, uh, evident regression by by Josh Allen. And he didn't even regress that much. Like, I think most teams in the league would currently take Josh Allen over their starting quarterback. But he regressed just enough that that the that the other monsters out of the AFC are 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 just a little bit scarier and a little bit more stronger than he is and 
and it's surprising to see that and it was weird i mean i think like everyone like you know nick mentioned up top where like we all expected this competitive game and what we got was a game where it was just like the bill season where like josh allen comes out looks good and then just doesn't look good anymore and and joe burrow on the other hand like he i don't think he ever like held the ball longer than three seconds and it was just dart after dart after dart after dart and there are some plays that are just impossible to defend in the nfl but they're not very valuable because they don't have a high completion completion percentage or they don't get you a lot of yards but if you're that accurate then you can just keep throwing quick outs all day and what is who's gonna stop you get try you're not gonna succeed yeah uh really quick on the josh allen thing i think we talked about the Dable effect on the Giants. I think we're seeing the Dable effect on the Bills mm-hmm. uh, and on Josh Allen. Because, um, you know, that one of his big things early on in his career was all the turnovers um, and, and an inaccuracy as well. But, like, and that was fixed mechanically. But then uh, Daniel Jones has been turning the ball over constantly his entire career. Dable goes there, and he hardly turned it, turned it over at all. And Josh Allen kind of reverted back to his old self, kind of trying to play superhero ball you know, for the most part and, and putting the ball at risk and turn it over way too much. So I think there's a little bit of an effect there and we'll see if they can turn it around um, next year. But like, to me, that's, that I think could be a big factor. Yeah. Last thing I was going to say, I think what also what you see here is that the bills sort of need Herculean performances from Allen. He's so central to their offense, not just, not just in the passing game, obviously, because he's a quarterback, but what he has to run all over you, I think for the bills to really shine to as shine as brightly as they could to their full potential as a team. And when he's not doing that, the team as a whole struggles. Meanwhile, you look at burrow. He didn't have a crazy game, two forty two, two touchdowns. He was 23 for 36. So like not his best completion percentage game or anything necessarily, or his best statistical performance or anything. But the team was much more balanced. You saw 172 yards on the ground. Mixon went over 100. They've been a team that struggled on the ground all year, and this is one of their better performances. And the wide receivers, they divvied the love up nicely. Their uh, Chase had the most yards with 61. Um, so like they were spreading the ball around effectively. They have a ton of weapons. They're not nearly as one-dimensional as the Bills at their worst are, and I think that's also what you see here. Just team composition and not being so solely reliant on a huge performance from the quarterback, I think, is a lot of what contributes to the Bengals' success here. Because Burrow can do it if he needs to, but oftentimes, as we've seen these like the second half of the year when they've been hot, he doesn't really need to, and I think that was what you saw here, especially. Yeah, yeah I feel like it... it it doesn't give you last year where it was like how many deep shots can chase pick up? Like that's what it felt like last year. It was just Mm -hmm. like, can he, can he just get chase to get another? And, and admittedly chase was catching literally anything that was thrown like within two yards of him last year. So that, that is a way to go when, when that's how hot your team is. But this year, the, the offense is so much more balanced and I think Joe Mixon's come out to play really well. And um, it's uh, it's, and then you have, and then for the time that, chase was out like you build chemistry with your other receivers and so now you have this like pretty well balanced offense and burrow feels comfortable throwing to anybody and anyone feels comfortable catching from burrow and so you can get this really mixed offense and i think that's when you start to leverage the best assets because it's not like you can just single out you know put your star defender on my star receiver and that's and that'll shut down my offense it's there's so many more pieces that you can play so like it becomes a chess match rather than this like one-on-one game just wanted to shout out the Bengals defense, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The the Bills, yeah, they didn't get a lot going on offense, but I feel like a lot of that you have to credit to the Bengals really tightening up on the back end and like even like the pass rush, the pass rush didn't give Josh Allen 
a whole lot of time to do much of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just a complete performance by the Bengals and a complete collapse, I think, by the Bills compared to what they had played like for a lot of the season and the potential they had. Just a disappointing end to their season. We'll see how they respond next year, how they come back, and what the team's looking like then. But for now, the top two teams in the AFC are Kansas City and Cincinnati, and we'll preview that game here in just a minute. But we've got one more playoff game to get through, the last one of the weekend, NFC Divisional Round. In Santa Clara, it is the Niners hosting the Cowboys, and since we have the resident Niners fan, Jay, you want to take the lead here? I think it was a game where two defenses showed up and two offenses had to find their way through that. And uh, it's a game in which coaching and patience pay off. Um, You know, I think throughout the game, both offenses were sputtering. It was hard to get anything really going. Uh, The Cowboys had some stuff early, but then they weren't really able to get the ball moving. And even when they did, it was a lot of like playing between the 20s. And uh, and then the run game finally broke through, um, and and Shanahan stick to the scheme he was planning to play all get, all day, and the Niners needed one or two good drives, and they managed to pull off the win. But I think there's a, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at this game. I think it's definitely Purdy's worst performance of the season, which obviously coming at kind of the worst time, but also on the other end, he was playing hit the fastest defense he's ever played, uh, and. Arguably, I think one of the fastest defenses in the league, and so it's it's kind of hard when you, what he's been doing up until this point has been a lot of like shifting the pocket and trying to create more space by buying himself more time and then making throws, um, and then uh, you know you play a really fast defense and, it, and that all of that closes up, and so now you're down to you know just the fundamentals of pocket passing and, and trying to get things to work, and I think it took a while for the Niners to kind of get it together, but eventually they did, and uh, I think they cleared the fastest defense i don't i don't think it's the best defense but it's uh the speed can be uh can mess up the playbook in a different way but shanahan stuck to his system and it paid off for him but i think on the other hand uh there was just like Dak's worst game like ever i don't know about I ever mean, but it was not good like he's had some real bad yeah, games which is it was, was it was it was definitely his worst game in a meaningful moment um and and I think like part of that is the scheme, part of that is the Niners defense showing up, but uh it's hard to win when you throw two picks and, and you can't really move the ball and then you know, you can't rely on your kicker and like there's just nothing's really churning right for them and then after all of that your head coach is Mike McCarthy. So do to put that all together, you're not getting very far and um disappointing because of how well the defense played, uh the Cowboys defense played, but uh, you kind of roll with what you got and they've made moves to get them to this point and then Tony Pollard got hurt and there goes their run game and then subsequently there goes their pass game so yeah I think okay Niners win like a Niners win that I'll take because any playoff win is a good win but exposed a lot of weaknesses for the Niners and and you know kind of things we already knew but but they came up again and while they got the win I think it's it's uh than any future wins at this point that if they are to win the next two games it will take some some cleanup work by Kyle Shanahan to get an offense that get an offense that can get going a little bit earlier cuz you can't afford to be waiting that long to really start moving the ball and scoring points. Yeah, I, just, I wanted to kind of follow up on what you were saying about Tony Pollard. Um I some people will point to the Kittle catch, some people will I I don't think you'd see a whole lot of other people point to the CD Lamb catch, but I would I'd probably point to Tony Pollard's leg getting crunched as the biggest play in this game because 
the the Cowboys looked okay before that, and then after that, they just they, their offense was just done, shut down, done. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't, like you were saying, they couldn't run the ball, they couldn't pass the ball. It, it all it all came from this one play, I think, and that just goes to show, like a how much Ezekiel Elliott is kind of washed up, and b how much how big of an impact Tony Pollard makes on this team, and yeah, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Zeke is washed. Like, I knew I knew he was getting slower and, like, he was falling out of favor in the offense. But, no, he's, like, he, barely good as even a number more, two back. He gets way more touches than he should. Yeah. Uh, this entire season he did. Mm-hmm. It, it should have been Tony Pollard's Don't they have a number three guy who's who's better? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I, I know those but, two. Yeah. But, but the thing is, Zeke, he's still a smart runner, and he he's very good still in short yardage. Yeah. So he's useful, but he is not explosive at all. No. Um, he probably will not see a run more than five yards. Very like He's not going to make anyone miss anymore, so it has to be wide open. Yeah. But Pollard, is a he, he's a threat to score a touchdown every time he gets the ball. So, yeah, that was definitely a massive, um, a massive play in the game, that injury. Yeah, I mean, for a Cowboys team that was doing just okay on offense at that point in the game, that was, yeah, I would agree with Arcadia that that was probably the most important play of the game in terms of killing any momentum that they had for the rest of the game. It was a struggle for them. Um, yeah, you mentioned that Kittle catch. I think that was an, like the other pivotal moment in this game where finally the Niners had serious life on offense. I think that catch was the real start of it. They drove down the field after that. And an insane catch, by the way, if you guys didn't see it, Kittle bobbled it for oh, basically yeah. an additional 10 yards down the field before he actually finally hauled it in. And he was falling uh, down. Yeah. <laughs> and got blasted. Yeah. yeah. And it was a hospital ball because he ran so far that he ran right into the defender, basically. Um, but yeah, he made the catch, and it was a pretty huge game for the Niners, and they ended up driving down at that point. Then at that point, the game was pretty much in command for them, I would argue. Um, so yeah, a huge play that, yeah. that shifts the yeah. momentum. In a game in a game like that, where it was such a defensive struggle, like one or two big moments are kind of what really shifts the momentum, and that's what happened here with that Kittle play. Um, yeah, like you said, Zeke and J- Dak and J- like Dak had two picks just in the first half. He didn't throw any more after that, but those kind of costly mistakes, and they were they were really hyping how much of a legacy game this was for Dak in terms of making or breaking his legacy. And he underperformed when his team needed him most and everything like that. Cowboys still can't get past a divisional game. I think since they won the last their last Super Bowl twenty seven twenty eight years ago now, they've never gotten past the divisional game, and yeah. that's just continuing for them. And this seemed like the best the best chance they've had to do it probably since then. This feels like the best team they've had since then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by far their best yeah, defense I mean, in in years. I yeah. mean, they're that like you said, Jay. Like with with Purdy facing them, uh, look, they have so much talent on that end of the ball between with Parsons and Diggs and I mean, really everyone else. But um, like definitely the best defense that Purdy's seen, and he didn't really seem shaken. He didn't play great. But he was hanging in there and got the offense going when they needed to. Wasn't making any terrible mistakes or anything. He would just sometimes just didn't really have anywhere to go with the ball. Um, but yeah, whatever deal Purdy has with the devil that says that no defender can ever pick him uh, is an incredible one because it's he's <laughs> do he, not cut your chickens, buddy. Oh no, I, it's gonna it, it's gonna bite him in the butt if 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 it's not this if it like if it hasn't happened until now it's gonna happen next game but you know i i mean i've been saying that for games now where the ball has ended up in the it, like uh trayvon Diggs had it in his hands and it hit the ground um and so i i think like purdy didn't look shaken but purdy still wasn't like the accuracy went down and mm-hmm. and 
you're playing Michael Parsons, who, if it wasn't for Nick Bosa, is the best defender in the league. So I, I think you can see that with with Parsons and and um, you know their defense. And so you know, I I think Purdy did just enough, and that's kind of what you want your quarterback to do in a game that is sort of just trying to trudge it along just to get to the end zone one or two times, and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if we want to start talking about the end of this game. Um, yeah, well, speaking of Zeke, oh they, they gave him a new position. God. Yeah, so Zeke is uh, not an offensive lineman by trade, but they decided to draw a play up where he would be snapping the ball to Dak Prescott. Well, this was hold on. Yeah. To, to set this up, yes. the Cowboys completely, like, they, they messed up the entire last drive. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> Dak almost gets sacked in the end zone on the first play, right. which didn't happen, but that could have been bad. Um, Schultz, one, doesn't know the out-of-bounds rules right. to stop the clock, and then doesn't know the out-of-bounds rules to, you know, complete a catch. So those two right in a row just left left them with an impossible situation where they had, what, five seconds left on their own 25 or whatever? Yeah, mind you, the the drive before they punted it away with I don't two thirty. Oh yeah, so that one. So okay, seven, yeah. let's let's actually talk about that for <laughs> that, a minute. Ugh. So obviously, I think they were planning on it's four down territory, but you need to have your punt team ready in case of an emergency, and they didn't. So Dak gets sacked, and it's fourth and ten, and they need to punt. They didn't have the punt team ready, so they wasted like 50 seconds from the from like the play starting to Dak getting sacked to punting the ball. Mm-hmm. So they wasted the two-minute warning, yep. essentially, on the punt. Yep. Uh, so they left themselves with very little time, even though they got they got the stop on the Niners. So, yeah, that set up the drive. Terrible clock management, as usual with McCarthy. And now we have this crazy play that Nick can continue describing. Yeah, so the last play, I don't know if I can do it justice. Um I think we mentioned before on this show the infamous Colts play that Pat McAfee's talked about. Uh, this is the, the closest comparison that I've seen since then in terms of what this play design was. So it's the Cowboys are at their own 32 from what I can see here. That's where they are at. Um, so Zeke is lined up at center. No one else blocking in front. Dak is behind him from the shotgun. On the sides, they have a couple wide receivers and all the offensive linemen on either side. No, so, didn't they have all skill position players basically? They had a bunch of offensive. They, they, they had linemen on the outside too for blocking. I think for what was either okay. like what was going to be by design. I think a lateral play, obviously considering what the yes. pass ended up being. So the play itself, Zeke snaps the ball. Dak gets it. Zeke gets obliterated because he is going up against a defensive lineman. And uh, so Dak has to get the ball out immediately. It, it's a basic slant route about maybe five yards downfield. And I don't know who he threw it to. Let's see who caught it. Not one of their name receivers. Turpin. I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, Turpin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Devontae Turpin. Turpin. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Dak throws it five, six yards downfield to Devontae Turpin. Immediately gets crushed. Like, there's no chance to even throw a lateral anywhere else on the field. So there's no blocking up front. So Dak has no time <laughs> so, to throw. He gets to throw it five Turpin yards downfield. Yeah. Turpin on the ground, like, does the motion like he was going to lateral it on the ground. Yeah. He's like, I don't know, even, even know what just happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so the thing is that there's a – if you look at the play closely, one, it's not a defensive lineman that runs uh, Ezekiel Elliott over. It's a linebacker. Oh, okay. So it's like it's not even it's not even a big dude. It's just a dude who just, they just like, a little bit bigger than I think they expected Zeke. any pass rush. I think that was the point. Yeah. 
Yeah, the point is that there's no path. But, like, you only need to send one guy. Yeah, but so that, obviously yeah, you're that just going to send that one dude. The Niners are going to send someone forward, and, and that's so, what they see the then, formation as. And, and, you could only, and, and, then, and you could only call five receivers eligible on a single play. Like, it doesn't, doesn't matter where right. what everybody well, else is I doing. Mean, only yeah, five receivers is, can catch the ball. That's, that's, that's okay because once, like, as far as, like, design... Once someone catches the ball, anyone can get that lateral. So yeah, it really doesn't I guess. Matter. So, so like, it, but I think I think he was gonna lateral it back to 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 uh, Dak or Zeke. Someone yeah, up, I think up so. the middle. It was gonna be someone up yeah. the middle, and then he was. Then and they then, were gonna try to throw you, it to the outside. Like, it, yeah, I, I and then know. you go up to the convoy of blockers, right? And yeah. and if you look at it on the left side, there's a guy who's supposed to block Jimmy Ward, who just comes in and missiles Turpin. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know an offensive lineman that's got speed unless his name is Penny Sewell right? or Trent Williams. Yeah, like, it, like it's not happening. Yeah. So like, I, like just the entire play design is just like, I see the point, but also, did you try running this against your defensive coordinator without him knowing what the play was? Because he <laughs> right. would have destroyed it in two seconds too. Yeah. So it, it's just <sighs> this is the second the, year in a the, row. The yes. second year in a row where the, the Cowboys have errors that it, the playoffs. On, under the most baffling circumstances. Yeah, against the same and if team. And if that's not yeah. a testament to how bad the, their coach is, I don't know what is. The faults of the Cowboys are horrendous. Like, like they are so good in so many levels, and then they are they just show some terrible flaws, mm-hmm. including a lot of Dax turnovers and whatever these coaching decisions are. Yeah. Because they're terrible. Yeah. Um... Also... When when they're bad at kicking, they're bad at kicking. So hey, they're a That's little it. better. They're a little, little better in this game. Maher got a couple field yeah. goals. Um, yeah, he's the lucky one extra that first. Yeah, the extra one extra point, point he got to got attempt blocked. got blocked. Well, but if you see the trajectory of it, it was uh, it, it was going, it was about twenty yards yeah. left. <laughs> it was going just a little bit to the left, just a little bit wide left. Um, yeah, so a better performance from than what he had against the Bucks uh, from Maher in this game. So. Good for him for kind of maybe getting over the yips, but uh, that was the least of the Cowboys' issues in this game. Yeah, they're they're coaching their clock. They did their influence some of the game, though. What do you say? They went for it early on a fourth down, where this is like they went for it early on a fourth down, and I think they ended up not getting it. But they went for it because they were within field goal range, but they didn't trust Maher from that distance. And then eventually, when they had to trust Maher, he pulled through anyway. So. It was weird. It was the kicking situation made it worse, but not significantly worse. Like I think even if they had a good kicker, it wouldn't have really changed how they played the game. Yeah, not significantly. They didn't really get into enough situations to actually make that a significant factor. I don't think. Yeah, but that was the uh, end of the Cowboys season. Like Arcadio said, for the second year in the row, some of those baffling play calling that you've ever seen. This one, like. They needed 68 yards on one play. I don't think they were going to get it anyway, but just the execution of this and the design of it, like every every aspect of this. It's just embarrassing. Was so ba- yeah, so baffling. Like teams have gotten, and we saw with that infamous game in the late 90s, the, the lateral plays working. I think that was on a return, wasn't it? No, it was on a kick return. Anyway, we've we've historically seen it's very infrequent. We've seen plays like this work. We saw a play like this almost work with the Patriots against the Raiders until it just totally didn't work anymore. Um, like you can get, at least get some yards on this, and they got nowhere close to even that. They got five or six yards, and that was it. And it was immediately shut down. Like this is one of the worst attempts at a final play that I've ever seen, legitimately. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's probably no way that they're going to actually convert, but. 
to have it go as poorly as it did is just one it's hilarious because yes. i don't like the cowboys yeah but at the same but also just for them yeah it is just embarrassing like just it's poor design and it just yeah does not come across well especially yeah. when your offensive coordinator is being interviewed for head coaching jobs and then that's the play he comes up with yeah that was the last thing i was gonna I mean, mention i think the whole last two drives look look like and like those are your chances to make to make statement plays and eric armstead who like who dak ran into it like it's not even like dak like was in the pocket and then a guy came up and then he just whiffed on the sack or something no eric armstead is standing right there and dak runs into him for for what would have been a game ending safety had it not been for roughing the pass like a fear of getting called on a roughing the passer so he just shoved him instead like it's just the the end of that game is like the peak of of just Mike McCarthy incompetence, the Cowboys incompetence, Dak just crumbling in a big moment. Like I know that we we talk about Dak as this like sort of prolific, uh, you know, or not prolific, but like a pretty good quarterback. But he's quickly falling to the Kirk Cousins tier of is he actually good or is he good when it doesn't matter? Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably accurate. Yeah, I agree. I've never fully been on board with him, and every year I feel a bit more vindicated for it. He's mm-hmm. he's Derek Carr with the defense. <laughs> this yeah. is Derek Carr's yeah. ceiling divisional yeah. round. Yeah, I can see it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best way of putting it. Derek Carr with the ceiling, the Dak Prescott yeah, story. Like he may, makes the playoffs consistently, but like... Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Just a hilarious ending for the Cowboys. Niners move on. It was a good defensive game, and then the last five minutes were the most hilarious football I've seen all year, is what it felt like. Uh, anyway, that will do it for the four divisional games that we had. The uh, AFC and NFC Championship games have both taken shape. We'll preview those in just a moment, but before we get there, we'll do second down real quick, which is the injuries to discuss. Big one was obviously Mahomes. It's going to be a big story throughout the rest of this week. All signs are pointing to him playing. Andy Reid said he feels better than when he had a high ankle sprain in 2019. He played the next week through for 400 yards and four touchdowns, I think. Uh, that was his other foot or his other ankle, so that is something to consider as far as that goes. I will take everything everyone says with a grain of salt. I expect him to play. I have no faith in how well he might actually play in the situation, but he'll probably play. So... I don't think you. I don't think we have to worry about that. It's just how well you actually think he will play in the situation. Yeah, his yeah, it, his ankle is going to swell. Obviously, it is if yeah. it's not already like really swollen as we speak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just it's mostly going to be a pain thing, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you know they're going to shoot shoot him up with cortisone before the game starts. And yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he'll be limited in his mobility, obviously, like you've said. But we'll we'll see how how much it actually does affect him. Yeah. He will insist on toughing it out. He wanted to stay in the entire game in this game. They made him go back to the locker room for x-rays and stuff like that and to get that shot, probably, like you said. And then he ended up coming back out after halftime. He'll insist on playing this game for the entire game. We'll see if Andy Reid might have to make a difficult decision at some point in the game, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, So that's the Mahomes story right now. As far as the Niners go, Christian McCaffrey has a calf contusion. Elijah Mitchell has a groin injury. Both day to day, I'm. It seems like they're probably both going to play on Sunday. I'm sure they will move heaven and earth to make sure they can play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the news is uh, is that they're they're both expected to play. Their Kyle Shanahan doesn't seem too concerned about it. Um, uh, McCaffrey's been injured up and down like the entire time we've had him. Yeah, but he's never really missed meaningful snaps. Yeah, so. Yep, so that's the Niners. As far as the Cowboys go, they're out, obviously, but Tony Pollard uh, fractured his fibula uh, on that play that we talked about. So 
he will have some recovering to do in the offseason. Hopefully he can be back for the regular season and hopefully he can continue performing like he did. Obviously, um, it's a weird running back situation for them right yeah. now. And Jerry, he's a, he's a free agent. What do you say? He's a free agent, too. Oh, OK. Yeah. Then mm. he'll be fielding lots of offers. I didn't know he was a free agent. Um, yeah. Cowboys should try and get him because uh, certainly better than what they have right now. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. He'll have some suitors, uh, assuming his recovery goes well and everything like that. Yeah, so Bengals offensive lineman Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa are improving daily. Uh, they've obviously had a handful of injuries on that uh, offensive front for them, and we'll see if they get back in time for the Chiefs game. Obviously, it's a big game. Chiefs pass rush has been coming along late in the season, so we'll see how their offensive line does. And uh, yeah, it's been an issue for the Bengals. Obviously, it was an issue for them last playoffs and has not affected them nearly as much in their playoff games uh, so far this season. Uh, so we will see. Yeah, I mean, I think Burrow has adapted pretty heavily to adapt or die basically for offensive line <laughs> yeah and i mean the pass rush isn't getting to him because the ball isn't there anymore yeah. um not because the o-linemen are putting up anything more any more resistance and maybe their backup o-linemen are performing admirably currently so we'll see but obviously williams and capper are better players or career better players than their replacements um Okay, so I'll do it for injuries, third down, uh, other news happening throughout the league. Sean Payton's been interviewing with the Broncos, Cardinals, and Panthers. That's who he's talking to. Or have these happened yet, or are these who, he, these who he's scheduled to talk to? Some have. Um, some I, have. I think most have, actually. But And then there was some there was some emergency, so you had to push them out. Okay. Something mm-hmm. happened. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, because there's supposed to be like uh, second yeah. interviews, in-person interviews, stuff like that. Gotcha. Basically, he's talking to teams you expect him to talk to that have openings, and any of them would kill to have him. It's kind of what you'd expect. We'll see where he lands, but I assume any team with an opening is at least going to try and talk to him. Elsewhere in the coaching world, the Patriots got officially got rid of Matt Patricia, and they have hired Bill O'Brien as uh, their offense coordinator. Obviously, he's been at Alabama, and he used to be with the Pats. Bill Belichick loves bringing back his old guys in some form of passion on his coaching staff. This is another instance of that. Uh, obviously his head coaching career in the NFL did not go so great and it had a pretty spectacularly hilarious end in his final season. Uh, this is probably a better fit for him. Whenever those Patriots guys fail as head coaches, uh, Belichick always brings them back and they seem to do pretty well with the exception of Matt Patricia, who was not supposed to be an offense coordinator and uh, did not work out for him. So He's we'll not see. much of a defensive coordinator either. <laughs> yeah. You would know better than any of us, but, um, I hate the man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how this goes for Bill O'Brien. I think it's probably uh, an improvement for the Patriots in the interim uh, compared to what they had been doing with the with the play calling last year. But we'll see how it goes for them. I'm not too sold on him, just given what I've seen with him as a head coach is what mostly I've seen from him. But we'll see how it goes. I don't know if you guys have other opinions on that. I have lots of opinions on Patricia, but <laughs> we don't have I that much time. You got to get it, to bed. Buddy. I'll just say I'll just say it's a major upgrade. Their it is. offense just got a major upgrade. Yeah just from the fact that he is an offensive coordinator. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's Patriots news for you. Uh, other news, this is a story that I've been hearing about for a couple weeks but didn't mention. Peyton Hillis, former uh, running back for the Browns and briefly for the Chiefs, uh, Madden 12 cover boy, I believe. Um, so he yes. saved his kids a couple weeks ago from drowning. He's been in the hospital since then, and he finally got released from the hospital. Uh, so he's doing okay. I believe his kids are all doing okay. So... Some incredibly good news there. That's a name I had not heard in a long time, but I was very concerned when I saw what happened, and I'm very happy that everything seemed to turn out okay for them. Uh, last story, which I didn't hear about until reading this rundown. 
Jeff Bezos is rumored to be selling the Washington Post in order to buy the Commanders. And uh, someone put in here, immense W if true. I think anybody over Dan Snyder would be a W, even Jeff Bezos. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, yeah this, is all, this is all just a rumor right now, but. Yeah, I think I think also it's it'll be interesting because I think uh, Bezos would be interested in actually winning as an organization. And Probably also be able to spend a lot more money. Maybe uh, maybe fix the stadium. Leverage. Uh, Except stadium. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. get a new stadium. Like like the cash infusion would change the the dynamic of that team so significantly. Um, and you know, I I would like to see thirty two competitive teams every year. Um, so yeah, it would be cool anything's better than snyder yeah so yep uh, that much we can agree yeah, on that's about it okay okay that will do it for the news for third down lastly fourth down previewing next week's games we're down to just two games to preview the afc and nfc championship this one is the niners visiting the eagles in philadelphia eagles are the one seed eagles are currently two and a half point favorites over under is expected to be 46 uh, these are two good offenses and two good defenses so very curious what's going to give in this game obviously Eagles are, uh, Jalen Hurts is still a young quarterback. Brock Purdy's an even younger quarterback with less big game experience, but he's performed very admirably. Jalen Hurts was arguably the MVP frontrunner before he got injured at the very end of the year. So a lot of just good talent on both sides of the ball for both these teams in this game. I think this is a very interesting matchup. Um, in the bracket, I had predicted the Niners to win this game and go into the Super Bowl. And the Eagles looked more impressive in that divisional game than I expected them to. So that's making it a bit more difficult of a decision for me. Um, I think actually now on the day, I think I'm going to take the Eagles here, but I expect a close game. Yeah, this I think this I mean, I, both these, these games, I think, are going to be very good. I think we got the best four teams. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles looked way better than I expected them to. At least Hertz did. Um, he showed that he can kind of do most things that he needs to do to run that offense, um, even with the shoulder. So that makes this game a lot closer to, for me. And like you said, I, for you, you picked the Niners uh, in the bracket. So did I to get to the Super Bowl. Um, but I also have a brother who is a massive Eagles fan, uh, and I would be rooting for the Eagles anyways. So just for my pick alone, I think it's going to be a close game. And I think that uh, I, I think the defenses are going to show up a lot. And it's going to be kind of low scoring. Yeah, is my prediction. Um, but I'm going to have the Eagles win this game for my pick this week, just for my brother at least. But also, I think legitimately they have a very very good shot to uh, to control the game. At least, you know, Jalen Hurts is is a stud. I think, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to call that for the next few years. So. It's my call. It's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring. Maybe maybe no one gets to the 20s. Who knows? But well, there you go. It should be good. Yeah. Uh, Bobby mentioned his brother. Uh, I have to give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Joey. His birthday was yesterday. And he would like that. He would like that I'm saying here, bang, bang, Niner gang. Um, I think the 49ers are going to beat the Eagles this week. Uh, they they just they seem like a championship team. I don't, I don't know what else to say. They, I... That I, I said the Cowboys would expose them last week. They didn't. They, there's just nothing to expose. The 49ers are a complete team. They're, they have good quarterback play. They have great defense. They have great offensive weapons. They're, they have one of the best play callers in the league. And as great as the Eagles' run game has looked, I I just think facing the 49ers' defense is, is going to force them to, to rethink their strategy a little bit. And I think the 49ers are going to pull it off in the upset. 
the pick here for me is is obvious. I'm ten and zero. I'm not changing my mind now, uh, and and I'm also not going to root against my team. Can can the Eagles win this game? hundred percent. Can the Eagles blow the Niners out? hundred percent. Can can this game be over by halftime? You know maybe. But what I also know is that uh, the Niners' defense is really good. Like, like the Niners' defense is is best in the league levels of good. And uh, D'Amico Ryan's is getting head coaching interviews. He's the Niners' defensive coordinator. He he's he's schemed together, uh, you know, an incredible defense. the The Cowboys averaged thirty five points per game. And sure, Dak had a bad game, but also they scored twelve points. Uh, and Teams for like they had like a six week run where they didn't let a, like let up a single point in the second half. They had like many like more than six quarters in a row where they didn't give up a single point. And uh, you know I was looking up the Football Outsiders DVOA metric, which is uh, a complicated advanced stat, but it's it, it basically shows like the the quality of of your uh, defensive play. And the DVOA the DVOA metric says that the Niners run DVOA is the best in the league and the Giants was the worst in the league. Um, and so I think the Niners go out there and they leverage their run game to kind of impose their will. They're a very physical team. They have really good linebacker play. So I think that helps against the run game. And what it comes down to is, can our safeties and our cornerbacks come out and play a game where they can stop Devontae Smith and... Uh, uh, AJ, AJ Brown, Brown. and uh, and I think that it'll be tough, and I think that they probably won't stop them the whole game, but I think they will slow them down enough that the Niners can put up enough points to eke out a, a win here. Um, if they lose this game, I wouldn't be that surprised. So I'm taking the Niners in a, in an upset in a close one, and uh, pray for my blood pressure on Sunday. Yeah, like you talking about the Niners run defense compared to the Giants. That's definitely true. And that was that's probably going to be a factor to a degree. I don't see a 200, 300 plus yard rushing game like the Eagles had at their best in, in the regular season. As a Miles Sanders fantasy owner during the regular season, I can recall many games where the Eagles could not seem to get anything going on the ground. That wasn't Jalen Hurts. So he might have to do more on the ground than usual, just improvise more and stuff like that during this game. I think that's something I could see happening. Like they're, the Niners are going to, bring the Eagles out of their comfort zone to a degree. And I think the Eagles might have to do that. Um, I, I think the opposite might also be true. I think the Eagles defense will probably have to do that to the Niners. I think, like Bobby said, it will be a defensive struggle, I think, to to a degree for as much of a struggle as it can be with two offenses that are also really good. But yeah, something's got to give, and it seems like we're split 50-50, but I don't think any of us are going to be surprised at either outcome in this game. Okay, so moving on to the last game, the AFC Championship game happening later in the day. Bengals at the Chiefs. This is the fifth straight AFC title game hosted by the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. No neutral site because the Bills ended up losing. Um, Bengals are point and a half favorites right now over under a 46 and a half. Oh man, it's really just depend on that angle. Like, I mean, Mahomes has never beaten the Burrow Bengals. It's been, he's been 0-3 in, the, in 2021 and 2022 against them so far. And this is a wounded Chiefs team at the most important position for them. Uh, their defense has come along, as they often seem to do late in the season. I think that's going to be extra important in this game to bring pressure to Burrow. And obviously, he'll try and get the ball out quick like he always does. But they really have to step up, avoid making the same mistakes they made in coverage against uh, against the Bengals receivers last year in the, in the AFC Championship game. It's going to be easier said than done. 
And I think they need to dictate the pace on offense. I think, like I said, the long, meticulous drives keep the Bengals' offense off the field because um, I don't think you get the explosiveness that the Chiefs usually have with Mahomes' injury and everything going along with that. I think slowing the pace down, running the ball effectively, short passes like we mentioned earlier, Chiefs have to dictate the pace of this game, I think, to have a chance because they are not going to be explosive like we normally would. Yeah, um, th- this, again, should be another very good game. But so. I think the deciding factor for me should be or like it. I think it is that ankle yep. as far as my my pick goes, just because so many things are up in the air. And I think there's a very good chance that Mahomes is less mobile than he was this week yep. on it. Um, so not that that can't not that he can't get play through that and play, you know, spectacularly because he's Mahomes, but um I think that makes a difference. I also think that the Bengals are just, they're just the hot team right now. Um, and I think Burrow, like we were talking about earlier, he's, he's the guy like he, he really is. So um, Burrow at a hundred percent Mahomes, not quite. Um, I think that gives a little bit of the edge to the Bengals. Um, and I think they're going back to the Super Bowl this year. I think all things being equal, the, the chiefs would probably win this game. Yeah. But like, like Bobby said, uh, the the ankle is the big, the big deciding factor here. Um, I think not only that, but the Bengals, like I said earlier, they're playing a very high level at defense. Like they looked really good against uh, a high powered offense in the Bills, and they, yeah, they just they they look hot. That's that seems to be where the winds belong. I'm taking the Bengals. I predicted the Bengals when we started this whole postseason shebang. I'll pick them again. I think that uh, Joe Burrow's on a heater. Uh, I like this is uh, you. You think about iconic quarterback play, and and Joe Burrow's on that. And I think Mahomes would also be on that same level if he didn't have an ankle that was at like fifty percent, if that. Um, and so, I think you know, I, I think in in an all things equal scenario, the Chiefs have. You know, better coaching, uh, a little bit more talent, and uh, in some places, and 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 are also playing at home, and so I would lean that way. But uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, kind of has uh, Patrick Mahomes as a number and the Chiefs' number a little bit. And um, I'm, I pulled up the last game just to see how it went, and it was a three-point game, and there was you know the Chiefs had turnovers and missed a field goal, so you know they could have easily won that game. And and I think things are a bit different now, but. Not a ton different, uh, but I think that Burrow shows out and uh, makes it back to the Super Bowl again. And also, I'll be 12-0 and 0 next week, which would be really nice because I need to go 13-0 and 0 for this <laughs> all to work out. Yeah, I didn't officially pick. I, on my bracket, I had the Chiefs. Uh, wind's blowing in the Bengals' favor for obvious reasons. I think you know the realistic pick is the Bengals right now. We'll see how he's doing. Obviously, he's not going to be 100%. In that game, and obviously predicting before the like predicting the bracket didn't foresee that happening and being an issue that persisted through multiple games for the Chiefs in the playoffs. So obviously that would have factored in the decision if I knew that back then. Um, I still think the Chiefs can do this. It just has to be. It has to go like perfectly for them, I think, for this to work. Like it, it, they can't make the mistakes they made in these. All these games have been three point games. These three games that the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs in. It's not like they got destroyed in any of these. Chiefs actually, I think, had good leads in all three of them. Um, this just has to go their way. Like everything has to go their way. They have to, like I said, control the pace and be effective on defense. They have to be able to probably create some turnovers. 
Um, they just need to be able to control control things as best they can with the obviously wounded quarterback that they have. So I don't think the Chiefs are going to win, but I still think they have a way to do it. And I think they can, but it's not looking good. So officially, I will I will say the Bengals are winning this one. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm not again, I'm not surprised either outcome, but they should win this one. I'll say that. Is this is this the is this the counter jinx? Is this there's there some sort of counter jinx? Uh, you can't pick uh, against book, your book, team here. Book, uh, page from the Arcadio playbook I see there. Uh, well, if it works yeah. out that way, that's a bonus. But I legitimately do not expect it to go our way this weekend. Like, I can't actually argue for it necessarily. I can say how it might happen if it were to happen, but I can't say that it seems likely. We'll see. That's obviously not what I want yeah, to happen. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, the, the words are said into the digital record. Mm-hmm. They can now no longer be unsaid. Well, so. I could also delete them from the edit if I really felt that strongly about it. <laughs> but I won't. Yeah, I won't. All right, folks. I think it's going to be a, a powerful weekend of football on uh, on Sunday. We're, bro- and, we're both uh, going to be stressing. Yeah. Pray, pray for our blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I get the longer uh, day. It's going to be so fun. Uh, but I get to suffer for longer. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, either way, I'm happy that I was able to make it back on this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good episode to come back on. And uh, season's almost wrapping up. Yeah. Only got a couple episodes left. And I hope for our sakes, you and I both return with good news next week. It, w- it would be cool if that were the case. I would love for that to happen. But we'll see. Um, I hope we both get our picks right. That's what I hope. Yeah, for. sure. Th- that's what's most important. Not our actual teams winning. It's all about the picks. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I mean, Jay's saying that right now just because mm-hmm. of the bracket. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Unless you guys have anything else, Bobby and I are both tired. I think we're going to wrap up here. I think I'm good. I'm ready for uh, ready for some good football games. I hope they are good football games, if nothing else. If we lose a good game, I'll be mad, but I'll be a little bit less mad than if we get blown out. I'll say that. Yeah, so I hope for some good games this weekend. I hope for good news for Jay and I, and I think that will do it for us for our divisional recap. We will see you guys next week to recap the two conference championship games. It'll be a short... This is longer than I, than I thought it would be, so we'll see how long next week's episode is. There's only two games to recap. We'll see. Again, hopefully there's good news for Jay and I, but we will see you guys next week to recap the AFC and NFC Championship games. And until then, goodbye. <laughs>